It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk. It is Friday, friends. Are you not excited? I know I'm excited because Fridays are wonderful. That means we made it to the weekend. Stuart in the studio. We have, I guess, my name's Nate Williams. I got to introduce myself. Greg Davis is out for tonight, but he will be back next week. We'll be back on Monday. And then, as y'all know, we are on Mondays through Fridays from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. But anyways, like I was saying, it's Friday. Or, as I've heard it sometimes called... Friday because you made it to the weekend. Stuart, what are we doing this weekend? Uh, as of right now, I'm just planning on watching football. Watching football? That's yeah, a great plan. Watching some playoffs before football's over, and then I'm a little less happy than I usually am. Uh, yeah, football's coming to a close, both professional football well college football is already over and then professional football we are in the playoffs uh Stuart, i know i think you told me you're not the biggest nfl fan are you pulling for anyone or you just want like good games as of right now i probably rooting for the eagles because of jalen hurts but if it wasn't for him i probably would not care too much I'll probably just watch for the entertainment, probably just root for whoever's losing at the moment and just hope it's a good game. That's me too. If a team's losing, I'm rooting for them if I don't have a dog in the fight. And uh, yeah, but I think I'm pulling for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts. I mean, there was a time in Alabama when, I don't know about you, but when he first came to Alabama, he was very raw and... Man, I don't know if he's going to make it, but then he goes to the NFL. He's one of the best QBs in the league and uh, incredibly talented. I I didn't see that coming. Did did you? Not really. He did did start playing for Alabama really young. So you always thought, oh, if he's talented – and then once he gets older, he'll kind of put it together. And he kind of waited until maybe he went to Oklahoma and then the NFL to when you really saw what he's fully capable of. Absolutely. It's uh, when he first came in, I remember him being crazy athletic, and but he wasn't the most accurate QB. Mm-hmm. But then something happened over his time in Alabama and Oklahoma. He became very accurate. And then you combine that with his running ability, his size, he's built for the NFL. Unfortunately, I don't know if Tua is. And same thing with Mac Jones. They're good QBs, but physically, Mac Jones doesn't have the largest arm, and Tua just uh, maybe not the biggest build where Jalen has the whole package mm-hmm. but uh but anyways friends uh, we'll be watching some NFL playoff football so that'll be awesome again just wanting some good games and I want Jalen Hurts to do well with the with the Eagles but something else is well I guess uh Football is happening. Playoffs are happening. Something happened today that was incredibly exciting. And it was the first March for Life since Roe v. Wade was overturned, since it was reversed. And we love the March for Life. We we love what it stands for. There were some people that once Roe v. Wade fell, 
They were like, well, what's the need for the March for Life? Uh, abortion, it, it was overturned at the federal level, as in, as in, like, it went down to the states. And so now it was up to the individual state to decide, uh, you know, what to do with abortion. When was it allowed? What circumstances? When uh, this, that, the other? It was all decided at the state level. And so people thought, well, why do we need the March for Life? Roe v. Wade is over. And I, I, I told people the reason why we need it is because the war is not over. The fight for the unborn, the, the child, is not over. And so, yes, it's down to the state level. It was a good victory for pro-life. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what anyone says at the big Eva level. You know, you got some opinions that I really disagree with from Tim Keller and others that were t typically, you know, they'll, they'll agree on the social issues with um, biblical stances, but there, there'll be some people that'll be like, well, maybe we shouldn't try to go through laws in the legal system, and we should instead try to go for the heart. Friends, you go for both. You go for both. Uh, laws, uh, the reason why you go after laws is because that is yet, this is what I always say, that is yet another avenue to love the weak, the voiceless, the defenseless, the demographics of society that, that are vulnerable to power, to injustice. You love those demographics through laws in the legal system. They don't have a voice of their own. The unborn won't cry out on their own because they're they're hidden. It's up to the born, you and me, to defend them. And the one of the best ways to love people is to love them through the laws that you create. So yes, you go after laws in the legal system while also trying to talk with your coworkers, talk with your neighbors, love women. Friends, women are often put into horrible situations by the men in their lives, getting uh, pregnant or maybe forced to have an abortion or, you know, by, by their boyfriend, whatever it is. A lot of women are at a disadvantage depending on what they're going through. And so with the pro-life, you're not just looking to love the child. You want to love women as well through education and resources. You want to talk with them, comfort them, surround them with community, say, it's going to be okay. We will love you and serve you, provide resources, help take care of you and your child. The pro-life position seeks to take care of both women and children. The pro-choice position only pretends to take care of women while literally throwing babies in the trash. I'm being literal about that. When when babies are aborted, you know, and their parts aren't being sold for money, oftentimes those babies will literally go into a trash can. And then the pro-choice position often pretends to care for women, or it says that they do, but it's a pretending, because... They won't tell them about other options always. They won't educate them always on what actually happens with an abortion, what actually are some of the potential side effects. That's not taught in school. Uh, you know, girls are taught that, hey, it's just this little procedure, you know, go make an appointment, go in, you know, boom, bam, done, a few seconds later, you're out, just blob of tissue. They aren't educated on all the aspects of abortion, and that's not loving.
they won't talk to you about uh, after an abortion happens how many women, I'm not saying all, but there are medical complications. They won't talk about the depression that sometimes will happen after an abortion. They won't talk about those things. They won't educate fully on this topic. They won't talk about all the potential resources through peg- pregnancy clinics. You know, they won't talk about it, friends. And I don't think that's very loving to me. I think the pro-life position is loving to both women and children. And so there was the 50th annual March for Life, again, the first one since the reversal of Roe v. Wade. That happened at the U.S. Capitol. Students from Liberty University held the March for Life banner at the front of the procession. And Liberty said more than 500 of its students will attend the event. And though funded and supported by Catholics, and again, hey, I don't always agree with Catholic theology, but Catholics traditionally have been so strong in this area and I love it. Evangelicals have become more involved as March for Life participants and speakers over the years, with Protestant groups adding events to correspond with the annual pro-life demonstrations in Washington. This year, evangelical leaders like Franklin Graham of Samaritan's Purse and retired NFL coach Tony Dungy, and we'll play a clip from him, his speech uh, at this event, will speak for the March for, uh, and again, uh, this article I'm uh, reading from Christianity Today, some of the phrasing is like, oh, it's going to happen later. So it's already happened, a lot of these things. And so I'm just reading it in the tense that it was written in. There is Bishop Michael Burbage of Arlington, actor Jonathan Rumi, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, who portrays Jesus in the streaming series, The Chosen. And uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and play for you an audio from, I, I think it's the Mississippi Attorney General, Lynn Fitch. And uh, Mississippi played an integral role with the Dobbs case that uh, that made its way to the Supreme Court and helped to overturn Roe v. Wade. It was instrumental. And so we're going to play uh, Lynn Fitch's speech at the March for Life. And uh, Stuart, are we ready to roll with that? Okay, so y'all can hear. It is so awesome. Lynn Fitch, Mississippi Attorney General. Well, to God be the glory. You know, for nearly 50 years, you have marched to proclaim the fundamental dignity of women, of their children, and of life itself. You've marched with hope and determination and prayer. But this year is different. We have overturned Roe v. Wade with the Mississippi Dobbs case. We have done it. We can protect life, but this is not the end of our journey. Until we can give women when they are most vulnerable what they need and that their children need to thrive, and until we can make changes in our laws that reflect our compassion for all life, and until we can change hearts and minds in our fellow Americans, until then, life remains fragile and the embrace of human dignity remains aspirational. So it is our charge today, in this new Dobbs era, to channel that same determination and hope and prayer that has led you to these streets for 50 years. Use it to make changes 
Use it to make changes to support women and children. Use it to support women when they are pregnant and when they are nurturing a young family. Use it to make more affordable quality childcare and make it more accessible. Use it to promote workplace flexibility. Use it to improve child support to make fathers equally responsible for their children. Use it to upskill, educate, and provide resources for women. And use it to fix adoption and foster care systems that fail our children. All right. Uh, that was Lynn Fitch, and she spoke a little bit more. But what she did was she combined, you know, the, the celebration, y'all. And I do mean that. This is a celebration. That Roe v. Wade reversal, I, that is awesome. But we don't stop there. We want to make things better for women. We want to help fix the adoption system, the foster care system. Y'all, it is so expensive to adopt a child. And there's a lot of abuse uh, in the foster care system as well. And, and sure, every system's going to have its flaws. And I get that no system's perfect. But remember what we always say with the pro-life position. It's not just about the unborn. We want to protect them. Yes, fully. But we got to take care of women. We got to take care of families. We want fathers to be involved in the home, to be present, to be active. And uh, we want the families to be taken care of and nurtured and provided for. We want a better education system. We want people in church. We want, you know, safer neighborhoods to be pro-life. It is about the unborn, yes, but it's also about the holistic family. We want to provide and protect and to love families love women love men fathers we encourage you to get involved and to uh, to take care of your children to take care of the women in your lives friends uh, i have to go to break but we're going to continue to talk about the march for life on the other side this is priority talk radio i'm your host nate williams we will be right back greg davis here and i want to remind you of priority talks longest running advertiser and that's today's family dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment, 256-739-3337. That's Today's Family Dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment, 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry in downtown Coleman. Hi, I'm Cricket Carpenter listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. Welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. We are live on this Friday uh, Friday night. And as I was saying before the break, 
we are talking about the March for Life, and it happened earlier. And I remember going, I think it was a few years ago, maybe, uh, I guess time is flying. I say a few years ago. What is that, 2020? No, it wasn't 2020. It was, I think... 2018 so oh goodness time is time is moving folks but it's an incredible thing y'all and you don't i'm kind of torn sometimes when it comes to marches because you should be willing to do the right thing just by yourself right so even if you don't have a movement even if you have a movement that doesn't have a march, you should stand strong and be vocal and public about it. And I guess that's true. But what marches do is it it is necessary, friends. You draw attention to your cause. There's just so much grabbing our attention. And so even though you don't do it necessarily as a look at me i'm so special at least that's not what it should be but movements do need attention media coverage uh, you know you you do need people talking about it social media hashtag all that stuff and uh, and march for life has done a lot of good to say hey we're serious about this it matters uh, have any of y'all been to the March for Life? What was your experience? I want to hear your thoughts. 205-941-1011. Have any of y'all been to the March for Life? If so, I want to hear about it. Make sure to call in. And uh, when I went to Towson University for my undergrad, I remember starting a club with a good friend of mine. Her name is Shelby. So Shelby, if you happen to hear this, shout out to you. It was a joy to serve with you. We started a Towson Tigers for Life or Towson for Life club, a pro-life club. And we met and we talked about you know various talking points. We prayed at a Planned Parenthood clinic a couple times, and then uh, I think I was on my way out about that time. I was a senior, and so we handed, uh, she was a senior too, so we handed that off to the next generation of Towson students. Towson University is located uh, around Baltimore, and uh, I just remember um, the, the day that, the night that the Roe v. Wade reversal adopted decision was leaked. I remember texting her being like, is this true? Is this is this happening? Because we always talked about it as something far in the future. Far in the future, it, it was hot. You know, we're working towards it. You know, just a lot of things against us. You could, uh, one, you need the right justices, okay? And you never know because sometimes conservatives, when we pick justices, we whiff. I have a theory about that, you know. Um, I think it's similar to Ben Shapiro's that, like, conservatives will pick justices off of principles generally. And so we want, you know, those who want to stick close to the Constitution without uh, creating too many new meanings. And it's like, whoa, how did you get to that conclusion? Well, I got to that conclusion because I wanted to get to that conclusion. So we, we don't pick activist 
Supreme Court justices normally. Whereas well, the further left you go, they don't care how close to the Constitution you stay, uh, you stay, you know, with meaning and interpretation. They just want activists like Sotomayor who will just give them what they want. Like, hey, who cares about original, uh, you know, uh, interpretations of the Constitution that stick to what the Founding Fathers meant with the document? No, it just give us what we want, the conclusions that we want and you're good to go and so the left tends to pick activists the right tends to pick those who stick to principles when they interpret the problem with that is sometimes that comes back to bite you in the rear end and that's happened with certain supreme court justices that uh you know we've kind of missed on and and so one you got to pick the right justices right then after that those justices have to have the okay what's the word i will use on air have to have the spine i'll go with spine there have to have the spine to choose certain cases that will then potentially lead to the reversal of Roe v. Wade. And so that's another step. You never know. They could just ignore the controversial ones. And then after that, the third step is once you've picked a case that could reverse Roe v. Wade, you actually have to do the thing knowing that you're going to have incredible backlash. And in the case of one Supreme Court justice, someone might actually try to go kill you go assassinate you and so well who has the spine for that so we were thinking oh man this won't happen in our lifetime but we're going to keep moving educating loving serving uh getting the word out marching and it'll eventually happen and then it was set in stone the supreme court justices made that decision and it was incredible we were celebrating it was awesome and we did it the job's not over but it was a good first step friends we'll talk more about this on the other side of the break don't go anywhere we will be right back hey this is greg and ever since the first time i visited israel in 1999 i've encouraged others to also experience the land of the bible for themselves i'm wondering if you've ever dreamed of visiting the holy land and walking where jesus walked if so, why don't you pray about touring Israel with me in the summer of 2023? We will experience a 10-day pilgrimage that will include visiting biblical sites around the Sea of Galilee and actually taking an inspirational boat ride on the same waters that Jesus walked upon. We will also visit the holy sites in the city of Jerusalem, including Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. You'll also experience the Dead Sea and many significant Old Testament sites. The Bible will come alive to you like never before. Are you interested at all? Email me. Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com and I'll share with you much more information about this trip of a lifetime. Email me, Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com for more information on traveling with me to the Holy Land in summer of 2023. Hey, Priority Talk listeners. Care to make a quick comment or ask a question for Greg on the air? Send the code PTR to the number 202-249-5592 to join the show's text line where you can communicate with Greg during the show. That's 202-249-5592 and send the letters PTR. Thanks for listening. And now back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like... My life be like. 
Welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. We are live on this Friday night. I'm your host, Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out for tonight, but he will be back next week. So we have two callers waiting to come on, and so we're going to get to both of them. Uh, ben, you are up. Ben from Detroit. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm good. Good, Ben. What you, what you calling about? Um, well, can you tell me more about the March for Life thing? Because I've never heard of it before. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Ben, the March for Life is a yearly, uh, I guess, community get-together gathering where pro-life people, those who are, uh, you know, against abortion, they're pro-life, they get together mm-hmm. in D.C. and they they march. They go and uh, they let the world know that this is a, a at least a national a movement and we want to end abortion. Uh, oh, tradition- that's- Oh, go on. That's um, that's great. Absolutely. And so I was able to go, uh, you know, a few years. I keep saying a few years ago, Stuart. I got to stop it. It was like five years ago, give or take, four or five (laughs) years ago. Man, anyways, I went. It was wonderful. Ben, if you ever get the chance to go, if you're in D.C. around that time, I think that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. I want to go again. It's a little bit, obviously, more difficult now that I'm in Alabama. But, uh, yeah, Ben, that's, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, and so I'm very thankful for your call, Ben. Uh, you know, make sure to call in more. I love hearing from you. Yeah. Uh, anything else, or was that all? Um, that, um, that was all. Wonderful, Ben. Thank you for your call, and make sure mm-hmm. to call again soon. Uh, Ed, you are on air. Uh, what you got for us? I just want to ask you, do you see the pro-life movement growing among young people in our country today? Growing among young people, uh, that's tricky because the, the, the issue with abortion is there is this messy, muddled middle where people are like, okay, you know, maybe not full-term abortion, you know, maybe we should ban abortion at some certain point, maybe after the first month or the second month or whatever. However, people in America tend to be for some level of abortion. You know, let's say a child is going to be born with a mental illness or a deformity, or maybe if it's early enough and uh, certain features of the baby have not developed yet. And so the vast majority of Americans, unfortunately, are somewhere in the messy middle. Uh, that Christianity Today article that I am kind of talking through says that there's a growing divide in the evangelical world, unfortunately, between the older generation, which is very against abortion, and the younger generation, which is much... I guess much, I don't know if it's for abortion or just maybe more in the middle like I'm talking about. Uh, Let's see. Um, I'm going to read this paragraph for you. While evangelicals are the religious group with the strongest stance against abortion, 
Christianity Today reported last year that statistics are beginning to show an age gap between young and older generations. A majority oppose abortion rights across age groups, so most people are against it. But those under 35 are growing more open to pro-choice policies, while older groups are becoming more opposed. So, Ed, to answer your question off of this article, I guess the younger you get, even on the evangelical side, the more pro-choice evangelicals are growing. I don't know why. That is very unfortunate, but it seems like that's a trend. Yeah, I was going to ask you how do you account for that, but uh, you said you don't know why. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure, because again, I think a lot of people just in general are the mushy middle. And so you, you'll have the traditional arguments. What about if the life of the mother is at risk? What about rape? What about incest? And there are answers for those things. Like traditionally, the church has allowed abortion in the case of when the life of the mother is at risk. And that traditionally has been the only exception. When you have exhausted all your options medically, you have tried to save the baby in every way, shape, or form, but you just can't do it and it looks like the mother is going to die, that is the one exception traditionally with the Catholic Church. But when it comes to to with the Catholic Church and then also with Protestant churches in general. And then but then when it comes to rape and incest, uh, you know, historically, traditionally, that hasn't been an exception to uh, being against abortion. But you can understand that emotionally, that's very compelling that even though rape and incest, you know, the, the crimes of the father, nothing justifies murder, you can understand emotionally while that's just so difficult to talk about. And so maybe that's well, a part of it. I'm not sure. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I was going to ask you another question. Uh, okay. What do you think God, based on his scriptures and Torah, Torah and the rest of the scriptures, Okay. what kind of legislation do you think he would, would satisfy his standards of justice and righteousness? Oh, goodness. Uh, Ed, I'm going to have to be very careful speaking on behalf of God. But uh, I, I would imagine, so uh, Luke 1 and 2 talks about the the baby in the womb being a child. So 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 the word is used, uh, brephos, I think in the Greek, Greek scholars out there, correct me if, if I'm wrong, was used both for the unborn and the born. So it's uh, both a child. Uh, you have Jeremiah 1 verse 5 talking about how God has a plan for Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you have the beautiful Psalm uh, 139, how God, you know, creates us in the womb, just the classic, beautiful Psalm. So I think God would be strongly pro-life, uh, as well as obviously one thing I always stress is taking care of women as well. You're not kicking women to the curb. You want women to be provided for, protected for. You want men to be held accountable that if you impregnate a woman, you take care of the child. That should be obvious. And so with men to stepping up and fulfilling their roles as husbands and fathers, um, when it comes to exceptions, uh, you know, I would hold that there would be next to next to no exceptions, maybe with the one exception being when the life of the mother's at risk and all other options have been exhausted. You would rather have one death 
than two deaths. I think morally and logically that makes sense. You don't want both the mother and the baby to die if there's something medically happening. And so if you had to do it, like I said, last case scenario, you have to perform a medical procedure such as, I don't know, maybe removing the fallopian tubes if there's an ectopic pregnancy or something like that. And and that's what you have to do to save one of the two lives. You save the life of the mother. That would be my guess, Ed, but I don't want to presume to speak on uh, uh, from, you know, for God, but that's what I would think. Well, I have just a couple of thoughts on that. I'll, I'll put you on the spot and then leave myself off of it. But I'll just say that I think for Christians, whether you're Orthodox, Protestant, Evangelical, Orthodox, whatever you are, Catholic, whatever, I think the best argument for Christians, if any, it should be the Incarnation. God mm. takes on human flesh at conception when the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary. You mentioned Luke chapter 1. One thing to ponder in Luke chapter 1 is the fact when John the Baptist is still in the womb, Jesus is still is newly conceived in the womb. You yes. see, womb-to-womb worship from John the Baptist to Jesus in the womb. The babe leaps for joy in Elizabeth's womb, and that's recorded in Luke chapter 1. And I just think those are two arguments where you have fully human, fully God, Jesus being worshipped by John the Baptist in the womb, while he's in the womb and while John the Baptist is in the womb. So how can you deny humanity, uh, the people in the womb, when you see worship in the womb, from womb to womb? Exactly, Ed. That was beautifully said. That That is such an incredible passage. So well, I'm God gl- bless you all. Have a good weekend. All right. You too, Ed. Thank you for that call. I want to thank Ed and Ben for calling in. Y'all, we love your calls and we want to get more of them. So make sure to call in 205-941-1011. And it's at this point that we will play, uh, Stuart, we're going to play Tony Dungy's speech from the March for Life that happened earlier and uh, just uh, hear his thoughts. He talks about prayer and uh, all right, Stuart, you ready? All right, here we go. Hey, thank you so much. It is great to be here. Can't tell you how much excitement Lauren and I have to be here today, even though this march is taking place right at the biggest time of my profession, the NFL playoffs. This is way, way, way more important. It's amazing to me that God actually used football to shine some light on the subject of life for all of us. Three weeks ago, during a game in Cincinnati, something happened that impacted our entire country. A young man named DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills made a routine tackle and his heart stopped beating right on the field. It could have been tragic, but something miraculous happened. The team medical staff rushed out. They got DeMar's heart started again. But you know what? That wasn't the miracle. The real miracle was the reaction of everyone to that. The announcers on the broadcast, what did they say? All we can do is pray. And all across the country, people started praying. Laura and I, we were having dinner with friends of ours, and we stopped what we were doing, and we prayed right there. The Bills players played right, prayed right on the spot. Now, usually when that happens, the cameras cut away from that because we don't like to see that. Back when I was coaching in the 1990s, 
a few Christian players got together and they said, we want to pray after the games. And we actually got a memo from the NFL office that said, don't let your players do that. If you do, you'll be fined because that's not appropriate. Can you believe that? that that's a true story. But last week or three weeks ago, everybody on that field was praying. And it continued. The next week, at every stadium in the NFL, teams got together and prayed, and it was amazing. Well, those prayers were answered. DeMar's recovering now. He's home. He's been released from the hospital. But what's the lesson in that? You know, an unbelievable thing happened that night, a professional football game with millions of dollars of ticket money and advertising money on the line. That game was canceled. Why? Because a life was at stake. And people wanted to see that life saved. Even people who aren't necessarily religious got together and called on God. Well, that should be encouraging to us because that's exactly why we're here today. Because every day in this country, innocent lives are at stake. And the only difference is they don't belong to a famous athlete and they're not seen on national TV. But those lives are still important to God and in God's eyes. <laughs> Psalm 139 tells us that God is watching every one of these young bodies as they're growing in their mother's womb because he placed them there. Now we know that there are a lot of people in this country that don't believe that. They don't see these babies as being important. They don't even see them as lies. So what can we do about that? Well, I think we have to take a lesson from Damar's story. We have to pray. We need to pray with the same fervor that we prayed with during that week, because God answers prayer, and he will answer these prayers to save these precious unborn lives as we go forward. So if we do our part, we'll save more and more of these lives. But that can't be the end of the story. When God does give us more of these lives, what are we going to do to nurture these children and help them grow? Please welcome my, my wife, Lauren, as she gives you some answers to that question. Now, this is where I'll cut it off. You can obviously listen to the whole thing online, but friends, that's, that's what we're about. We're about prayer, and we're about saving lives. This is Priority Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Scale your business with a dedicated team of experts. A marketing vendor focuses on profit. A marketing partner focuses on your business. With Dot Edison, there is no more taking, only serving. Feel great about your marketing with Dot Edison. Call them at 205-332-3728 or go to their website at dotedison.com. This is Greg, and I want you to know about my friend Jeff Harding and Alabama Reliable Roofing. Your local roofing expert since 1998, Alabama Reliable Roofing provides residential and commercial clients with exceptional roofing services. Jeff and his experienced team are well-equipped to provide repairs and installations of shingle and metal roofs. Look, I know the importance of a roof and that it's one of the biggest investments you make in your home 
place of business, or church facilities. Alabama Reliable Roofing understands this as well and has the experience to work with your insurance company in case of storm damage. So whether your roof has suffered from storm damage and needs repairs, or it just may be time for a new roof, you need an inspection to determine the next steps. Company owner Jeff Harding is waiting on your phone call and will be personally involved with every job. Call him at 205-369-9630 for a no-obligation conversation and a free estimate. Look at their work on the Alabama Reliable Roofing Facebook page and then call Jeff at 205-369-9630. Alabama Reliable Roofing, 205-369-9630. Hi, this is Steve Arterburn, the author of The 7-Minute Marriage Solution. You're listening to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. We are live on this Friday night. I'm your host, Nate Williams. Greg Davis is out, but he will be back next week. And uh, to the men out there, to women, but I'm speaking to men in this next uh, this next segment. Uh, oh, don't forget, at 6 o'clock, we are continuing our series with Cleet Hux. And today, it'll be me and Cleet Hux on worldviews, world religions, and cults. We'll be finishing up the conversation on Jehovah's Witnesses. And then we're going to talk about the Trinity. So that's coming up at 6 o'clock. Me and Cleet Hux will be uh, Cleet Hux of Arc Apologetics, so you don't want to miss that. But men out there, uh, you're, I guess, you're humiliated. You're told that your masculinity is a bad thing. It's toxic. And I want to tell you that it's through things like being pro-life, where you protect the unborn and you protect women. It is through uh, being good fathers, healthy fathers, being involved with your family. That's how your masculinity is affirmed, that you are protectors of your family. And uh, Get involved in the pro-life movement as best you can in appropriate ways. And that's contrasted with what I'll talk about for this next segment leading to 6 o'clock. On First Things, an article by Jonathan Van Maren, Andrew Tate, Symptom of the Sexual Revolution. Let me tell you how not to do it, right? So people have these reactions to the wussification of Western men taught that don't be aggressive, don't take risks, nah, 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 nah. and people then will swing in different ways. Some people will fall for that and become weak, but other people will become weak, but in the hyper-masculine, hyper-aggressive, mean-spirited, taking advantage of women way, and that's exemplified by Andrew Tate. And so, parents, if you've heard of Andrew Tate and you're like, okay, what's this guy about? I'd encourage you to check out this article, and I'll read parts of it. Andrew Tate, Symptom of the Sexual Revolution. It's on First Things by Jonathan Van Maren. Uh, over the past year, 36-year-old Andrew Tate has become a cultural phenomenon. On social media, the former British kickboxer turned influencer is one of the most famous men in the world with over 11 billion views on TikTok alone. Tate is the personification of various internet subcultures, combining the critiques of, you know, the anti-feminist manosphere and the alt-right with the posture of a pickup artist. A self-described 
pimp who has stated he believes sexual fidelity is only for women, he made his millions running porn sites. He now uses social media to accrue legions of young male fans and monetize them by running online programs such as Hustler University, which sells tips on how to pick up women and get rich quick. And uh, let's see, recently he was arrested by Romanian authorities in his mansion on charges of human trafficking. Six women have accused Andrew Tate and others of running a what's called a lover boy scheme in which they persuaded women they wanted a relationship, but then forced them to perform in pornographic videos. And then he remains in jail. So hear his words. This is Andrew Tate himself. So this is what happens when you take masculinity and you go, you don't go the left woke way. You go run the other way, but way too far. So the pendulum swings the other way. This is Tate. uh, This is what he wrote. I've been running a webcam studio for nearly a decade. I've had over 75 girls work for me, and my business model is different than 99% of webcam studio owners. Uh, Let's see. My job was to meet a girl, go on a few dates, you know, sleep with her to test if she's quality, get her to fall in love with me, and then get her on a webcam so we could become rich uh, together. Andrew Tate is a symptom of our culture's crisis of masculinity, rather than a solution to it. He's a self-described pornographer who says he is too smart to read, but what he does is win. He drives fancy cars, flies on private planes, lives in fancy mansions, and parties all the time. So y'all, don't swing this way. The March for Life movement is how you protect women. This is how men, as masculine men, this is what you do. You take care of women. Don't take advantage of them. You stay faithful to a woman. You don't run around sleeping around. You take care of your family, your strong fathers, your present there. Don't do what uh, Andrew Tate's doing. Um, Let's see. Tate's popularity is a reminder that in a society frequently hostile to traditional masculinity, lucrative opportunities arise for hucksters to amass influence by selling the genuinely toxic kind. Tate tells men to take back their lives and assert control at the expense of women. There is no mutual Christian self-sacrifice in his thinking. He says that our society wants to keep young men poor, weak, complacent, and alone, but he He makes his money from porn and casinos, facilitating addictions that do precisely that. So, friends, just be wary that on the right, and I would say that politically I'm more on the right, uh, Christian, religiously I'm more on the right, but be careful. You can swing too far the other way. His popularity, going back to the article, is an indication that in our pornified post-Christian society, this particular path has proven attractive to legions of confused young men. These men desire, as men always have, to be heroes. But in a society that has left them with no guidelines or pathways for achieving true uh, you know, heroism, many cling to the false promises of Andrew Tate. Don't do it, friends. Protect women. Be strong, be aggressive, take risks, but do it because you're building a family and a society. You're making commitments. You're you're being responsible. Don't do it to destroy women and to fulfill your own self 
pleasure. That's not how you do it. And that's the type of masculinity. And I would say this is genuinely toxic. So I don't like the term toxic masculinity, but Andrew Tate personifies it. And then he occasionally says something that's good. You know, he'll say, work hard. He'll say, you know, uh, take risks. He'll say, go for things. And some of that on a vague level is good. But when you get to specifics, that's not that's not what you're after. Friends, we're heading towards the second hour of our show. I will be talking to Cleet Hucks in our series, Worldview, World Religions, and Cults. We'll be talking about Jehovah's Witnesses. We'll finish up that topic, and then we'll go on to talk about the Trinity. It'll be a great conversation. You don't want to miss it. Make sure that if you do miss something, you know, hey, we are not, none of us are perfect. If you do miss one of our conversations, check out our podcast, Priority Talk, on Apple and Spotify. This is WXJC Radio Priority Talk. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We will be right back.